Three C's in a Pod, a weekly podcast from Provision Advisors. A look at the good, the bad, and the what could be better in the world of communication. Hello and welcome to Three C's in a Pod with Provision Advisors, where we give you insights and analysis on the day's hot topics and trends from a communication angle. We want to begin today with a review of our latest blog conversation, The Four B's When Dealing with a Crisis, which can be found on the Provision Advisors website, provisionadvisors.net. And we'll also talk a bit about some of the good and bad examples of communications leadership. We want to wrap up this podcast with our thoughts this week on the soup du jour, coronavirus, a topic we all continue to face. So with that, Chris, I'm going to throw it over to you. Let's get us started. Hey, thanks, Bash. And uh, yep, as you mentioned, um, our latest blog uh, is on our website and it is entitled Calms in a Crisis, Four Bs to Success. We talked a little bit about this a couple of weeks ago when uh, the coronavirus was really starting to have an impact here in the United States. But those Bs are be consistent, be factual, be candid, and finally, don't be cute. Um, and, uh, you know, this really represents for us 20 years of simple, crisp communication advice boiled down into uh, to four points. And it's times like this where sticking with the simple and the crisp can really um, keep you focused on the things that are important and can really keep you out of trouble. I agree with you, Chris. Uh, and so when we were writing this, we originally tried to get it into the, uh, into the local Annapolis capital as uh, just sort of a commentary on on how to best communicate, but the real um, foundation of it was that uh, 2020 Edelman uh, Trust Barometer study, where the the study talks about how Americans, how we as as a group, put uh, very little trust in the media alone, particularly the the media, the way they're portrayed by the administration today. A majority of people or a majority of workers look to their leadership, look to their CEOs to speak out, speak up. And, and assuage their fears during times of uncertainty, whether it's the market dropping 7 to 8% during the day or, or employers needing to lay off uh, mass amounts of employees during this time. You know, I saw a number this morning on the news where unemployment might hit something like 30%. It gives you an idea of how many people in our society are in the service industry. So uh, communicating to these people who are going to be so incredibly uh, adversely affected by by this and it's certainly going to go many more months uh, i just got an email this morning from my alma mater villanova saying that they went ahead and canceled everything in may no graduation no nothing with every news conference we see and governor hogan's going to have a news conference in maryland today at 11 where we presume that he's going to do the same shelter in place that a lot of other states have done uh, with with announcements like what Villanova said with Governor Hogan's press conference, we, we now start to see that this is, number one, the real deal. Number two, we need to continue to hear from people of, uh, of authority, um, subject matter experts on this, like Dr. Fauci and the White House has been doing a very good job trying to roll out not only the Surgeon General of the United States, but doctors from, uh, from various um, backgrounds that have subject matter expertise in order for people to hear the facts, the candid facts, uh, and a consistent message that's being delivered almost daily now. So I think if you look across the, the framework here, a lot of people are using these four Bs. When we talk about some of the lessons that we would bring up to the Defense Information School when we were, uh, when we were teaching up there, talking specifically about crisis, 
is actually before you get to um, the four B's that we listed is be ready, have a plan to take from the Boy Scouts, be prepared. Um, while, you know, this, this virus um, is catching or seemingly catching a lot of people off guard, before you're about to go out there and step in front of a microphone or step in front of a camera, making sure that you have a plan in place with which to, uh, with which to operate from, with which to, to, to speak to. Um, that's something that cannot be overstated. Um, going out there, uh, especially at this stage, and just trying to wing it, um, where information is, is at a premium and it's changing uh, rather quickly, uh, try to stay, uh, try, to, try to stay um, centered on your, on, on your plan of execution, your plan of communication, uh, goes along with being consistent, that first B uh, that we have up there. So I just kind of wanted, wanted to add that in there, uh, the importance of having a plan uh, with which to roll from. Is it going to change? Uh, sure, sure. You're going to have to update your plan as you go along, as you move through the crisis. Uh, but that, again, is a part of, uh, of good, effective communication work when you can sort of look out ahead uh, at what's coming uh, and prepare yourself for it. Agree, disagree? Absolutely agree, Bash. And um, what I would say to that point is, is that as you're working through the, the crisis and as you're working through the four Bs, you want to make sure that you're um, ensuring that you're taking down all of the lessons, good and bad. We're going to talk through some of that here in the next segment, but you're taking down those lessons, you're evaluating them, and then that's feeding back into that plan that you just mentioned so that the next time, um, you know, really the process grows from four once you're in the, the crisis to um, I would say even six steps. And so, as you said, it be ready would be that, you know, phase zero, making sure that you're planning, you're looking ahead, you're evaluating what your potential threats are. The crisis hits, you're into the four B's, you're thinking about, you know, making sure that, that you're, you're following those four things. And then throughout and after, you're making sure that you've captured all those lessons. So it, it kind of becomes a, a process that if you work it, um, and that if you stay true to it, um, I, I think it, it lessens the stress and the burden on leaders when it's their time to really shine. The foundation of all of this is leadership. Right. Um, I mean, right. you can sugar, and we've talked about that before. I mean, you can sugarcoat stuff, you can dress it up, you can put lipstick on a pig, whatever your favorite saying is. But at the end of the day, I mean, leadership makes for the best PR. Um, and, and this process really just helps good leaders lead. Yeah, Chris, to that point, uh, I know we talked about we were going to uh, get into some examples of, of good communications leadership, maybe some examples of some not so good communications leadership. As it pertains to this crisis specifically, uh, if you're anything like me, I think we've been paying attention to maybe you're getting an email, maybe you're seeing something uh, delivered to your, to your home address. Um, but there are different organizations, different entities that are taking time to, to write up, uh, whether it's a statement, uh, whether it's something from their president that you receive, in, like I said, in an email, or again, examples of you know, various governors or other state leaders, uh, national leadership going up uh, on the television and making statements about how they're handling the crisis. So with that, I throw to the floor, John, if you want to uh, jump in there first. Uh, what are some examples uh, of good communication leadership that you're seeing out there uh, and maybe some examples uh, maybe that are, are a little subpar? Yeah, I'll start with the good. I, I was really impressed both yesterday and today with uh, Illinois Governor J.D. Pritzker. Um, very, you know, not, to, not to be funny during a time of great 
gravity here in our lives. But, you know, he sort of reminds me a little bit of Blagojevich, uh, but a more refined and in control, less scumbaggy Rod Blagojevich. And he, um, he's done a very good job and, and given an opportunity yesterday to just dump all over the federal government and dump all over Trump, which he's done a little bit in, in the right, in the right settings. Um, you know, he, he very much took the high road um, and, and talked about what the people of Illinois need and why he thought very proactively about putting in a shelter in place order. He, he by all appearances has been a very forward thinking and, and fearless leader on this whole thing. I'd also have to tip my cap to uh, my own governor, Larry Hogan, here in, in Maryland. He has set a, a very good op-tempo of information every single day at 11 a.m. Uh, presser, his, his spokesperson, uh, Mike Rickey, uh, has been very, very active on Twitter, keeping not only the press very involved, but all of the followers uh, involved and it really establishes this you know hey am I going to go to WBAL channel 11 news for my information about how coronavirus is affecting Maryland or am I going to know that my governor is going to stand up there and give very basic and factual information at 11 o'clock every day um, and, you know that's that's kind of what Chris was talking about at the outset but it's it has a periodicity. It's something we can count on. We know the information's going to be there and that we know, again, I'm not trying to throw shade at the federal government here. We can probably break down um, the Trump administration a little bit here in a minute, but uh, you know, it, it's just very controlled and measured and adult. And it conveys kind of like what you know we talk about um, on that graphic of the four Bs that people really look to their leadership, if not their bosses, then their elected leaders to put out good information, factual information, candid information, don't sugarcoat it, don't BS me, give me the bare bones facts. So I think those two governors from those two states have stood out uh, in terms of good stuff so far. What have you guys seen in, in terms of the bad stuff? I wanted to use the federal government really as an example of both good and bad, if you'll in indulge me that, and just run through the four Bs as an example. In terms of consistency, I mean, much like the governors, it, it took them a little while, but I, I would give the federal government as led by the president, the vice president, I, I would give them a, a check in the block for being consistent. Um, you know, the daily briefs uh, have been, I think, helpful in terms of ensuring that it's their message that gets out. I, I think if you're the news media or if you're folks on the other side of the aisle, you sometimes question the, the value of it. But in terms of being consistent, they have fallen into a rhythm, I think, that makes sense and that has become predictable. The president provides remarks. He has other subject matter experts fill in the many blanks that he, uh, he leaves in those remarks. And then they they take questions. So you know, kudos there. I would say where they don't get a check or where they get a minus is on the same thing in consistency when it comes to message. They are somewhat disciplined at the podium, and then you run um, really what this administration has suffered from the entire time. They run the risk of the president or other folks in the administration. Uh, tweeting or providing other commentary that runs counter to what the president and what his health advisors have put out at the, at the podium. In terms of factual information, I, you know, it's hard to really to really judge. Uh, I mean, the the conversations about 
um, potential vaccines or potential treatments and the effect on the economy. I mean, I, I'm not sure that I would say it's counterfactual, but I, I would not give them a check in terms of providing the facts. I think that on the healthcare side, the doctors have tried to be as factual as they can and providing what they know and don't know. But as, as we're accustomed to, um, the politicians kind of bend those facts to their own benefit. Um, and it, it definitely seems to frustrate uh, viewers um, in the larger audience as they try to figure out what's real and what's not. In terms of being candid, um, I, again, I think the doctors have done a great job of letting folks know what the next three to five months could look and feel like. Again, some politicians, if you're Larry Hogan, if you're uh, the Pritzker uh, group in Illinois, if you're Cuomo, if you're Gavin Newsom in California, I think the governors have done a much better job of being candid and, and laying out what life could be like. Again, the uh, federal leadership, um, not, not so much. I mean, I think they're really trying hard to get people to look as far as 15 days and, and not wonder what, you know, 15 more or 30 more or 45 more uh, could feel like. And then finally, on the be cute part, I, I think that, you know, Bash, you mentioned the many emails that have come out from business. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think I would give that as an example of a plus in the not being cute uh, column. Um, but then there have been businesses or there have been agencies that have used that channel I think to their own self-serving interests. Quickly, we went from selling confidence and selling reassurance uh, to selling golf shoes. You, you know, in this time of pandemic, you should buy a new pair of golf shoes or right. something ridiculous that um, you know I'm sure folks have seen uh, across their email platforms. So I, I would put that in the "Don't be cute" column. And then, I mean, sadly getting back to the federal side, I think the most visible example of why we tell you not to be cute came from the United States Army, um, who had some trouble on their social media platform, specifically Instagram, over the weekend, where the individual lost sight of the big picture and fell into the trap that so many social media practitioners have a habit of falling into and, and really just worrying about audience engagement and, and yes. not the larger message. Yes. And they got too cute and they got called on it. So I apologize the, the length of that answer, but I mean, I think there's some examples on both sides that again, reinforce the benefit of the rubric of the four Bs. Yeah, and, and Chris, sort of to that point, I'll touch on this very quickly and it will lead us uh, into, into our last segment here. Uh, one thing I've sort of been uh, keeping a keen eye on is, as the you know, as as people move through uh, self quarantines or or states where uh, they have a shelter in place, so people are are um, sitting at home more um, and w without much to do or looking for things to do. Uh, one of the things I have seen from a um, maybe from you know from a business aspect and and maybe also from a and, and the sort of sits in the pop culture uh, avenue or lane, um, people trying to figure out ways in which to. Um, enhance their brand uh, in the midst of all this, keep them relevant, um, you, trying to carve out space. You know, how can I, uh, how can I grab the attention uh, of a, a particular audience, uh, whether that's something through music. We saw something um, with regard to DJ Nice that got a lot of attention uh, over, over the past several days. Uh, and, and, and if you follow people like Ellen DeGeneres, uh, they're, they're um, the Steve Martin playing the banjo. So we're seeing things from people 
that are gaining certain traction. Uh, and then you, and then once you see something catch fire, you actually see businesses trying to jump on uh, onto that train uh, to boast their relevance and make it seem that that you know that they're paying attention to to what's going on. It's a fine edge, right? The Steve Martins and the DJ Nice and the Neil Diamonds and others. I mean, it, it's great, and but you can definitely take it too far and have the opposite effect if you're too cute. So transitioning uh, over that, we you know we're obviously talking about coronavirus. It, it's it's right in front of us. We're dealing with it every day uh, in some form or fashion. We uh, the three of us each have uh, children who are uh, no longer in school. Uh, haven't been in school for about uh, just about two weeks now um, and looking out even further in, into the spring. We're seeing a lots of uh, cancellations, uh, things of that nature, uh, online distance learning packets uh, coming out. At least I know that's uh, for my children. Uh, so, John, I, I'll, I'll throw this to you first. Um, what are your thoughts as we move into, uh, I guess, the second week here of, uh, of various shelter in place? or uh, self-quarantining measures taking place? Uh, how is it affecting you? What are you seeing? I, I can't say that I really feel put out yet. I, I, feel, I feel very mindful of the gravity of it all. And it wasn't when Idris Elba got uh, coronavirus or when Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson got it or when we went from 21 cases in Maryland to 56 cases yeah, you know, with with each of us, I think it's going to keep hitting closer to home. And, and when right. this whole thing started hitting the fan um, around this time last week, I was on travel. I was in Wyoming. Okay. Um, and one of the guys that I was in Wyoming with uh, flew home through Chicago. You know, exposed to a lot of people in Chicago at a show that that airport was. Uh, you know, as this was first hitting and. And he's now pretty sick and, and getting tested for coronavirus. Um, my, my middle kid, my 14-year-old, at the very outset of this, right before I left for uh, Wyoming, he was very, very sick. And, and we took him into the pediatrician, and it came back that he just had the flu. At the very beginning stages of this, we were, we were concerned. But I, I think beyond that, I, just, I, I, I do a couple of things every single day to keep myself kind of mindful of what's going on. I, I bring up CNN business and see that the Dow is down 366.35 right now. Okay. Um, so I monitor that. I monitor the news. I'm, I'm, I'm very mindful of what the Surgeon General said this morning. And, and along the points of what we were talking about, I, you know, the Surgeon General came out, who's been very good. Um, he had a couple of almost political, two political comments, but he came out this morning, kind of right before the markets open, and basically his talking point was, it's going to get bad. Now, I don't know if that's something the administration really wanted as the stimulus bill vote kind of stalled last night. The timing of that message probably wasn't as good as they wanted it to be. So I'm going to continue to watch that. I'm going to continue to watch Dr. Fauci, who, who I think is very good, all three foot, 10 inches tall of him or at least it appears that way when he steps up to the podium. Um, the, the way that he is sort of a foil to Donald Trump's kind of saber rattling, just shooting at the hip, you know, the facts are sort of an option, not necessarily a mandate. Um, Dr. Fauci kind of, it, it, it's interesting to me how he steps up and, and walks a very fine line of, of basically just contradicting what the president says and, and then trying to get everyone back on 
you know, glide slope of, hey, whether he's full of shit or not, whether he's spouting off truth or, or, or lack of fact, uh, the, the point is that we as, we as a society have to get on the, on, on the same track here and, and get this done. Um, and, and I like that. I like the way that he communicates. So personally, I think we're all good. I don't think any of us have it. Uh, we're hunkering down. I'm watching some Netflix and trying to play some golf. But uh, beyond that, um, I'm, I'm luckily knock on wood. I, I feel very spared by this. Chris, how about you? Following on what John said, I mean, I'm trying hard to not be affected by it. Um, and I mean, I just feel very, um, I feel like as a society, we're just very soft. Uh, and I don't mean to turn this into old guy radio. You know, we have been lucky enough to have my mom um, with us through, through this. She splits time between Florida and Maryland and has decided to kind of hunker down with us. And, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about my grandparents and things that they went through in the Great Depression. And, you know, more and more people are using that word depression in terms right. of from an economic standpoint as to what the markets are going through. But you know, I think about my my grandparents and what they went through in the Depression and what they went through in World War II and, you know, the early days of the Cold War. And um, I really want to set the example for my kids that we have to um, we have to endure. We have to be resilient. And, you know, let, life goes on. And, you know, so you have to there's things that we have to follow that we're going to stay in the house. We're going to, you know, be social and uh, physically distant from our, our friends. And, uh, but we're still going to do our studies. We're still going to get up uh, in the morning and brush our teeth and get dressed. And it's a long way of saying that I, I've kind of fallen back really hard on a routine, um, mm -hmm. a professional routine, a personal routine to ensure that um, I, I guess that I keep the right mindset uh, as we move through it, not knowing how long this is going to last. The last thing I'll say is um, I can't help but think uh, professionally, personally, as a member of society, you know, what, what would happen if this, if instead of the coronavirus, which thankfully, while a a huge inconvenience and danger to certain um, elements of the population. Uh, largely, we, at least if you believe the, the science right now, largely we will be able to um, kind of get through and come out on the other side at some point. But how would we endure a major cyber attack which brought down utilities or brought down um, elements of the U.S. government? How would, we in, how would we endure an attack on the homeland uh, from a, a Russia or a China? So, I mean, I, you know, again, I don't mean to be doom and gloom or be the old guy, but I, I've just, I've tried really hard to think, you know, about the people that have gone before us and how they went through crisis in their lives. And then I, I guess I've allowed myself to think about like, hey, this could be much worse and then have fallen back on my routines to ensure that, you know, at least in the Cervello household, uh, we're, you know, we're driving forward. Yeah. You know, Chris, it makes you wonder, I guess for me, as you think about the numbers of the regular flu, quote unquote, regular flu that, that occur every year, the amount of people who get sick and infected by the flu and, and actually unfortunately pass away from the flu. And I, you know, you start hearing those numbers versus the numbers here. Maybe it's wrong to draw a comparison, but 
I, I, I too wonder, I, I guess maybe a few days ago, I was like, I don't quite understand why we've ratcheted up to this level. And maybe, it, you know, that's something I need to examine within myself. And I, and I should be paying a bit more attention to the, the veracity of, of what's happening. But I look, you know, I look at my kids, um, uh, how, how they're being affected by it. Um, you know, uh, having, having two daughters uh, that are 11 and 13 and seeing uh, that they have slightly different approaches to, to what's being out there. Uh, I obviously don't want them in front of the news. Uh, all, heck, I don't want to be in front of the news. Uh, taking it in all the time, but we, you know, it's measured. Uh, trying to get them out on their bikes to get some fresh air a little bit here and there, uh, and even myself, just trying to uh, stay mentally uh, clear. Chris, you're saying you you know you have a routine. Uh, John, you like to get out and maybe try and play some golf if you can. But and I think that's very important. You know, taking the necessary steps uh, to remain clear, to remain uh, sort of level on on, on each day. Uh, that we have to endure the social distancing and, and the, the restrictions that are sure uh, to come forward. So, uh, look, we're going to stay on top of it. We're going to uh, talk about it as much, as much as we can here so that we can and share information. Uh, with that, folks, I think we'll close up this podcast for today. Uh, I know we went a little bit long, but we did want to talk about those four Bs that Chris and John shared on our blog. You can, again, check that out on the website, provisionadvisors.net. Thank you so much. We appreciate you coming out and listening to Three Seas in a Pod. This is Provision Advisors. Thank you for listening to Three Seas in a Pod. Have a great week.